Welcome to the Digitally Connected Podcast with Joel Herter and Drew Knoll. Technology is integrated into every facet of our lives, impacting the way we work, live, and connect with the people in our communities and around the world. In the rapidly evolving digital landscape, the Digitally Connected Podcast explores future trends from the leading innovators in tech so you can stay informed and stay connected. Now, here are your hosts, Joel Harder and Drew Null. Joel, I know you had a chance to participate or, or co-conduct a study with Scott Klosowski around the tech usage and adoption and some of the patterns that you guys uh, were seeing in the state of Oklahoma around technology usage, working remote, and some trends in that space. And so we're going to get into it here in a minute. I know you sat down with Scott and really dug into that study, but can you, before we get into that, just give an overview of what that study is, kind of what you were looking at, and and maybe just a high level of, of what the study covered? Around March of last year, obviously, we are in the midst of everything is shut down. It's been shut down for about three, four weeks. It's so disorienting. And yet you're seeing all of this just explosion of people using Zoom for life, but also for work. And you're hearing all these conversations about how businesses are going to have a continuity of operations. And as we've talked before, you know, I have a background researching uh, technology and human connectedness, kind of how do, how do people connect and have those real genuine human relationships through computer-mediated technology and computer-mediated communication platforms. And so that was kind of my background interest. And I, I'm looking in this midst of COVID, and quite frankly, I don't know what it felt like for you, Drew, but I discovered I was a non-essential worker. <laughs> I, I, had, I had no idea what I'm I was supposed to I've been non-essential my whole life. <laughs> uh, well, I just, I, I'm trying to figure out what am I, what am I, what can I do to be, even be productive? And so I was mm-hmm. already wanting to kind of build off of previous work, but it kind of occurred to me and I was talking to my wife about this, that kind of where we sit with some of the relationships that we have in state government and some of the private sector, some of the large associations across the state, as well as nonprofits, you know, we have actually a great opportunity to do some research and actually do a new study and get a snapshot of what the experience is like. And really, it could be a statewide data set. And of course, at that time, you were hearing a lot of tech futurists and tech innovators and thinkers talking about the new normal and what's going to be changed. And they're right. You know, there was a a lot of wisdom and expertise behind the things they were saying. But at that time, there, there just wasn't a lot of data sets available. And we really saw this as an opportunity to get a real solid data set that's multi-sector, looking at private business, state agencies, for-profits, non-profits, faith-based communities, and get a a good uh, sense of what people are experiencing, both in the use of the technology, but also in the ability to connect uh, with other people during this time. The big question was, in my mind, does social distancing mean disconnecting? That was kind of a big question. Well, once we realized that this was going to be a truly multi-sector study, I knew I had to I had to engage Scott Klosowski. I met him a number of years ago. He is just a brilliant tech futurist. He's the founder of Future Point of View, and he has been in the tech futurism world for a number of years, has 
clients all over the world, just an incredible thinker and, and mind and has helped a lot of businesses. And so I met with Scott and we put together a statewide case study. Perfect. Yeah. So let's jump into it. Got the audio pulled up. Let's just jump into to your interview or your discussion, sit down with, with Scott and, uh, and, and see what he had to say. Well, Scott, thanks so much for taking time to visit with me today and dig into this study. I was really privileged to get to work with you and your team on this research last year, looking at really the whole state of Oklahoma across multiple sectors and just get a sense of their experience as we all suddenly shifted to digital platforms, to remote work, to work from home in an emergency situation. And your expertise and your insights are often and frequently sought after when people are looking to the future of technology and its applications. And so many people were making predictions and assessments of what the new normal is going to be like. And yet we work together to really get a data set and dive into what is the experience in Oklahoma. Quickly, before we start jumping into some of what we found in the study, just what did you see as the overall need for a study like this in the midst of 2020 and the COVID experience? Well, maybe pithy when I say this, Joel, uh, but I, I never waste a good crisis, right? <laughs> That's right. I, I mean, in our personal lives, uh, you know, or maybe in the world, uh, there's just always something to learn mm -hmm. from, uh, from a crisis. And I, I think that's what was most interesting to me about this study was, you know, you and I talked when, you know, we were a bit in the thick of things mm -hmm. of, hey, the world's not going to be the same, you know, after this. It's just not... It's not going to be 100 percent different, but it's going to be different. And, uh, you know, it might be good for us to set some benchmarks and start to understand right in the middle of the crisis where people's minds are at. And uh, that was the big thing for me was I, I, I was so happy we captured that data right at a time when people were really flat in the throes of having to deal with a COVID crisis. What do you hope that leaders in communities or in companies and industries would be able to do with this data and what we learned? I think perspective is such an important thing. You know, the nice thing about data is data takes things out of the realm of just your personal perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it helps people be able to see what maybe is the bigger picture or a truer, larger picture. And I, I think what happens with the pandemic is, you have a lot of people with a lot of different experiences. You know, for example, in our business, we're in the technology space, our business got better. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't have any financial issues, you know, through this. Well, our experience is very different than some friends of mine that own restaurants. The nice thing about data is it allows you to aggregate enough people's opinions that we're not just looking at mine, mm -hmm. you know, or just looking at ours. And so one of the things I hoped for leaders is this would provide some data, some truth uh, that they could uh, base decisions on, as opposed to just going with what their instincts or what their experiences were. Yeah, you're right, especially what has happened in technology. Obviously, technology played such a key role. I was actually visiting with my financial advisor this morning, and she was going through my portfolio and said, you know, what we see in the market trend and and then made the comment, well, where, where you're invested in specifically the technology space, you did really well. And I kind of laughed, like, no kidding. Uh, I, can, I can imagine that it probably went well over the last few months in the technology space. One of the things that's unique about the way we presented the findings in this study is that we wanted to look at 
uh, what's been interrupted, and we define that as a halt in normal operating practices that will come back in the future. We may not know when, but it will come back, versus what's been disrupted. And we define that as a halt in the normal operating practice that may never return or will be so dramatically changed or different that it doesn't even look the same when it does come back. And so with the time that we have, what I would love to do is kind of go through some of these key findings with you, uh, look at some of the things that we said or we projected would be interrupted versus disrupted. And then I'd just love to have you kind of reflect a little bit on those things that we put out there then, some time has passed since we published this study, a few months have gone by. What have you seen since then that may have deepened your thoughts on some of those areas of disruption versus interruption or what's changed, if that sounds good to you? Yeah, that sounds great. Well, one of the first things that we found in the midst of the experience of shifting to uh, remote work and digital platforms for people to work and to live and connect with, with those that they care about is that not a lot of new things were being invented. Rather, it was an adopting of technology and technological platforms that already existed. Now, maybe they got better over the course of time, but it was technology that was already there that was adopted versus invented. I, you know, it's that evolutionary versus revolutionary, right? In, in the in 2020, what we saw was a lot of high-speed evolution. Mm -hmm. right? uh, people got on platforms that we already had, you know, or they started using video conferencing capabilities we already had. And, and those companies that provided those tools, for example, they evolved those tools very quickly. Uh, no, but there was really not a lot of innovation or revolutionary that was going on that I saw, you know, in 2020. You know, even work from home, we already had companies doing distributed work environments. Mm -hmm. You know, all, all this did, uh, uh, the comment that I loved the most was uh, that in 2020, the, the digital transformation sped up uh, five years and eight months, mm -hmm. right, I, which I think is very true. Uh, so I, I would say through 2020 and into the very beginning of 2021, I didn't see a lot of innovation going on necessarily. Now I do. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason I do is people triaged to be able to continue to run their organizations. So leaders triaged in an environment they didn't expect, uh, a lot of them, and they were able to figure out, hey, we can still run the organization. Maybe not as well, maybe better, right? But we can run it. But now what's happening in 21 is they're looking up and saying, all right, how do we optimize this? You know, if, mm -hmm. if we're going to be in this state uh, or some version of this state and things are not all going to go back to the way they were in 2019, how do we get excellent at doing this? And now I'm starting to see innovation happen. Mm -hmm. So just as an example, how people are doing uh, virtual interactions. So uh, using Zoom or Teams or WebEx or anything else, there's a difference between you can get on it and use the most basic pieces of it, right? or you can actually maximize how to use those tools to create interactive meetings or an interactive sales call or an interactive um, consulting session or therapy session uh, or discipleship, mm -hmm. right? So uh, now I am starting to see some innovation around that. Like, how do we create a, an interactive experience that's better than one in person? And that's been really interesting to me because 
for the longest time, the thought was that uh, virtual interactions would always be 70, 80% as good as in person. Right. We're now starting to see organizations that are saying uh, our interactive meetings or our interactive sessions are better than what we used to do in person. We have more people participating. We have more channels of conversation going on at the same time. Uh, we we are able to be more productive in in less time uh, with a virtual meeting. But that is now you know kind of just an example of where I'm seeing innovation, not just the evolution of using this tools yeah. we already had better. Yeah, Joe, I want to jump in here because I think Scott brings up some interesting points, mm-hmm. specifically around the idea of that we were we've gone through a phase almost uh, in the sense of, you know, 2020 was about just triaging and doing what you had to do to keep business running. Right. And, and, right. and understanding, okay, here's what we've got to be able to do and provide our people from a tools and, and an infrastructure standpoint to now evolving to how do we provide better experiences virtually than we may be able to in person where I'm at. I think, he's spot on and not that Scott needs my confirmation in that, but being in commercial technology sales, there's a lot of typically traditionally in the past, pre COVID, there was lots of trade shows that we went to. We would travel immensely Mm -hmm. to the point of, it was not uncommon for me to jump on a plane, fly down to Houston or fly up to Cleveland uh, literally on a day trip for, uh, you know, a two hour meeting, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and now I'm not because rather than jumping on a plane for a one hour meeting or a two hour meeting and, you know, making a turn and burn trip in a day, I'm jumping on a zoom. And now rather than me having to fly from Dallas and me bringing in some sort of a solutions engineer from the East coast and, you know, and all those things, we're just all jumping on a call. Yeah. Uh, you know, a Zoom call, what we can provide now is just as good as what we would have been able to provide in person. And to his point, we've gotten much better at that. Well, and to his point, it's not that it's just as good. In some ways, it is actually better. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and there's absolutely because of all of the different channels of conversation, communication, different ways you can yeah. deliver content, information. We've discovered it is actually better. Um, yeah. But we got to be careful about this. And, and I don't want to cut you off if you're going somewhere else. But I go back to the way he started yeah. that whole section. He's talking about the evolution versus revolution. And yep. in my mind, we kind of have to separate and think in two different buckets. Over in one bucket, you've got the technology, the tech industry, the tech development itself. Yep. That's one bucket. Yep. And then over here, you've got the bucket of the human experience, society actually experiencing, using, engaging, working with the technology. And so in 2020, from that first perspective of the actual tech side, it was not revolutionary. It was technology that's been there for, for some time. A lot of those developments happened way earlier on. And what happened was it kind of evolved. It got better Um, bandwidth issues and different strains and pressure points, 
Zoom getting hacked, you know, different kinds yeah. of things that, that we discovered along the way. It got better. It addressed those issues. But it was it was more of an evolution kind of time from the tech perspective. Yeah. From the human perspective, from our perspective, it it certainly felt revolutionary. It felt like a whole new yeah. world that we're all in because now we're all suddenly using this for things that we've never thought to use it for before. I would even go so far as to change the nomenclature from rather than a revolutionary phase to an evolutionary phase and and then the pre-phase being adaptation and acceptance mm -hmm. and, you know and that was much of 2020 to your point that wasn't new tech teams has been around forever zoom's been around forever webex all that stuff those platforms aren't new it was just people having to adapt to them mm -hmm. and, and and accept this is the way we're going to do business for the foreseeable near future and now we've evolved. And I say that purposely because we're not revolting against the technology. We're evolving right. the technology to better suit what we want to do and what we can do. And to Scott's point, provide more enhanced experiences, you know, for whomever it is. If you're in the business world, there's there's all those interactions, but also just in the personal world, just the human consumption space, right? Like, you know, the the idea of what technologies are starting to be able to provide through interactive experiences that maybe were on the radar in terms of development down the road, but COVID massively accelerated that because it had to, we had to, you know, it, yeah. you couldn't go to the movie. So, okay, well, how do movie houses keep making money? You know, how do these studios continue to, to produce revenue so they can continue to stay in business or even down to, the curbside ordering that went on, right? In terms of, okay, I can't let, you know, 50 people, 100 people into my business, but now I've got, I'll, I've got an app and I'll let people order online and we'll run it out to them. We've evolved in our just technology experience on a, in our day-to-day -day lives. Mm -hmm. And we're going to continue to see that um, because people had to. And now because we have, that curve is is substantially accelerated. And I think it's really exciting to see what those types of experiences are going to be both in, in more of a corporate world and in a, you know, a personal consumption world. Yeah. And it will be extremely exciting to see what gets truly invented moving forward. Yeah. Like what, what truly yeah. new innovations, developments. And I was also kind of thinking the whole revolutionary evolutionary thing and in a way, that's kind of the way it's always been with tech a little bit is just kind of kept getting a little better, a little better, a little better yep. as they figured out market, figured out usage, figured out user experiences. But then every once in a while, you'd have that flashpoint moment. Right. Steve Jobs is unveiling the iPhone at a keynote, yeah. you know, and it's just like, yeah. and so, so the tech is always kind of evolving and getting better and it will be yep. really exciting. And that's quite frankly, what why you and I are doing this is to, so we can yep. really think through what's coming, but we can't glance over that we needed in a way, this crisis moment that forced the human experience as users to actually yep. discover this tech that's been there all along, because that's what has really sparked some significant forever changes. Yeah, and before we jump back into the interview with Scott, I mean, to pull a page out of both our backgrounds, Carl Rogers said that people change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the fear of change. And, and I think a lot of the changes that we've seen 
have been out of necessity because, you know, whether a business couldn't deliver their services in a certain way, now they've got to figure something else out or they, they go out of business or school. I think, I think education is a phenomenal example of a, a having to adopt and use and, and evolving the technology in a way that was meaningful so that kids could continue to be educated in, in some fashion. So, I, I mean, it, it's, you, I mean, we could spend hours on hours just going through examples of how a need and necessity for something to change just to continue to do life or business was the impetus for a massive amount of the evolution and, and, and change in, in how we're applying technology. You've been listening to the Digitally Connected Podcast with Joel Harder and Drew Null. Make sure to check us out wherever you catch all your podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss any of our new content we'll be dropping regularly. If you enjoyed the content today, give us a five-star rating. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next time.